welcome to the Cane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 199. We are almost at 200 in the end of this volume. Today we're going to be talking about Just Cause 2. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4 by simply putting in GoldenEye 007. That is all that we're going to ask of you at this point. Uh, we've not yet announced the, um, the rest of the, uh, I guess, getting into the next volume. And so just to close off this one, we just have GoldenEye 007 for the N64. Uh, you can head to canermints.com for the blog and links to our merchandise stall, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube pages. And we'd also implore you to check out Sound of Play, our video games music podcast. We've had a lot of really cool stuff on there, including a few interviews with composers and musicians. And, um, and apart from that, there's the regular rotation of music, which I think is stuff that you're really going to appreciate anyways. It's a, it's a lot of fun on Sound of Play every week. And I would like to make a very special plug for it this week especially because on uh, this coming Wednesday, October 28th of 2015, we're going to be releasing our Halloween episode of Sound of Play, which features some of our favorite spooky video game music in particular. So if you've uh, not tried out the podcast before and are looking for a fun episode to jump in on (laughs) and have a taste for the macabre, then I'm sure Sound of Play 27 coming out on this Wednesday will satisfy all your spooky needs and give you a little something extra as well. I won't spoil the surprise, but it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Anyways, we would ask that you also please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. That does help our uh, exposure and visibility for people who are just hearing about us for the first time. All right. Getting back to Just Cause 2. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in this issue, we have Brian Terran. Hello. Jay Taylor. Hello. And our increasingly frequent friend of the podcast, CJ Black. Howdy. All right, Just Cause 2. Uh, this was developed by Avalanche Studios and published by Eidos Interactive and was released back in 2010 for the PC, Xbox 360, and the PS3. I guess before we start jumping into Just Cause 2, we should mention Just Cause 1 because... You know, while it's not impossible, I don't necessarily see that getting its own canon rinse, and so it's probably worth a little brief mention here. Just Cause 1 came out in 2006 and is a uh, a very markedly different game. Um, kind of has a lot of the same ethos behind it, but it, it, it's it's lacking a few of the kind of core mechanics that made Just Cause 2 what it was. And so in a way, Just Cause 2 is kind of like the first in its series if uh, Just Cause 3 continues in the way that it looks like it's going to continue upon. but And Just Cause 1 might be seen as kind of like a um, like a prototype or like a, uh, a test of their um, idea. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, I think Just Cause 1 does stand on its own reasonably well. Uh, it's not super easy to go back to. I know I tried to go back to the PC version just the other day in preparation for the show. And found that it uh, it does not support controllers unless I were to go through like a joy to key or something like that, which is too much trouble for me to play Just Cause 1. Um, it feels like a strange one to not natively support controllers, especially because it was a, a 360 port to begin with. Um, have any of you guys played Just Cause 1? I've played it. I bought it on release. Yeah, it was. Uh, it must have been out a couple of weeks after I got my 360 and it was in the... Uh, that phase where I was hungry for new things to show off the potential of the console. I think at the time I had probably exhausted Dead Rising. That was the first game I got. And then um, I had a, a few Lego Star Wars games, which were good. I enjoyed those, but nothing that really um, sort of showed off what the 360 could do. So rushed out and got uh, 
Just Cause. And I didn't stick around long with it, maybe eight hours or so. It, it did feel, as you described, like a, a prototype, a tech demo. It was a showcase for you know what they could do with the console and with the with the power of the console but they didn't they hadn't really put much in the way of sort of structured content in there and i tend to find myself uh losing interest if i've not got like a checklist of things to do i'm a bit uh i like structured play so yeah so that uh, that got quickly traded in any strong memories from your experience i just remember that i mean the, i remember the opening uh particularly strongly is you sort of end up on the island you're riding in the back of a a jeep firing a, a minigun uh, and that was pretty exp- an explosive start to the game um, and you know after a time you get comfortable with the grappling hook mechanic um, and it was just I mean I, I had fun I had fun messing around and you know doing different things and testing the boundaries of what was possible in the game and it, you know and my memory of it is of a beautiful looking game but it felt very shallow and so, you know, after you've done a few things a few times, you know, did a few sort of repeated mission types, I just lost interest. And as I say, it was at that stage in the console's life where I was hungry for just trying out new things. So I maybe didn't give it enough time, but uh, I, fond memories of it. But it was just I just I just felt that it was uh, a bit, bit too much style over substance. Now, I'm sorry, you mentioned the grappling hook. I, I probably didn't spend a ton of time with Just Cause 1, but I, I thought I remembered the grappling hook being a new introduction to Just Cause 2. Was there a grappling hook in number one? Oh, I don't know. Maybe my memory is hazy. I, I played <laughs> Just Cause 2 a long time ago. Because I know at the very beginning you um, you jumped out of a helicopter or something and were kind of yeah, like parachute base down. diving yeah. down. Yeah, That's right. I, I spent a lot of time with the demo for this one, which I downloaded from Xbox Live and really enjoyed it. It was a really generous, um, I think it was a time demo of like 10 or 15 minutes or something. You started yeah. by, uh, you know, jumping out of the helicopter and just kind of free falling onto the island. And I, you know, played through this thing so many times. I maneuvered a way where you can, I, I think if you hit the ground fast enough, which is kind of weird, but I think it's like the damage that it does to your body is calculated by how much time you spend in the sky rather than how quickly you're moving and so if you just like angle downwards go head first right into the concrete then you can survive it and just like (laughs) just like commando roll out of it and you know hop onto the nearest vehicle um there was a lot of fun to be had with just uh you know standing on the cars and shooting at all the enemies and um you know just kind of exploiting the the tools that it gives you but uh you know, all of that, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that pretty much everything about the game was improved upon in the sequel. So oh, yeah. um, I think that's about the extent of our feelings on Just Cause 1. Let's move into the sequel yeah, now, Just, to, just, just Cause to 2. Just to clarify, look, hmm? looking at Wikipedia, sorry, it does, say, it does talk about parasailing off the back of vehicles by latching onto a moving car. So I figure okay. there must be a grappling hook of some sort, but whether it was quite as, as dynamic and fun... Uh, I see. Just right. as one as it was in two. I don't know, but I mean, we'll get onto the similarities between the two games later on. But uh, yeah, probably hazy memories there. It was, it was yeah. almost a decade ago, I suppose. Yeah, let's let's talk about our histories with Just Cause Two. Brian, when did you come to Just Cause Two? Uh, it was uh, so was it 2010? It came out right. I think I mm-hmm. didn't pick it up until 2011. Uh, I can't. I don't even know why. Really, I think it just sort of. It, it, it passed me by. I was interested in it and liked the the look of it and thought it was a game I'd pick up, not on release like I did with Just Cause One, but 
I thought I'd, uh, you know, pick up when it was a bit cheaper. Um, and I, I seem to remember reading an article about um, using the, is it, there was a YouTube or a video editing up, video upload feature it was in video the PS3 upload, version yeah. Yeah. Um, of Just Cause 2. And that interested me. I thought, oh, I'd take a, a, a gamble on the game then. So yeah, I bought it in August 2011. Um, oh, I must have spent a good eight hours again, like I did with Just Cause One. Uh, did a few, did a few missions, sort of tested the uh, tested the mechanics out, and then put it away. I put it away. Didn't didn't touch it. In fact, it had gone so long that I traded it in, um, and then I didn't pick it up again until uh, it popped up on PlayStation Plus, and then I spent some time with it again. And then put it down. And then about a year later, uh, after that, I picked it up and finally got around to completing it. That's right. I had forgotten it was a PlayStation Plus game at one point. That's right. Actually, that was what motivated me to get PlayStation Plus was hmm. when I when I saw that crop up and I thought, oh, you know what? I'd, I'd like to have a go at that again. Give it another yeah. try. Jay, what about you? I'd never had any interest in the the series up until this game. I, I totally ignored one. Um and then in the lead up to 2's release, they did a video, uh, you know, the kind of developer guided YouTube thing that you see quite, you know, as well, I suppose even back then it was fairly, it was starting to come through a lot, even back in 2010. And they did this video where it was, it was showing the, you know, the sort of creative destruction element, you know, how you can go in and capture a base and, and do all that different stuff by attaching people to, you know, gas cylinders and all that kind of stuff. And it got my attention. It got my attention because I thought it, it looked really impressive back then. And in particular, the explosions, which is, yeah, you know, it, it's something that even to this day, I think Avalanche does some of the nicest explosions you know, I've seen in a video game. They've got a real sense of volume and, and the smoke and, and aspect, you know, the, anyway. Yeah, which we've seen even more recently with their Mad Max game, which exactly, they the just Mad released Max, on the PS4. Yeah, when you, when you watch the car explode on Mad Max, it, it looks amazing. Like, you know, seeing the sort of black billowing petrol type smoke as well, which is like, it's really impressively done. But they did a demo. So this demo came out and I remember playing the hell out of the demo. And so that's pretty, it's pretty much what sold me the game because once you got a hands on and got a feel for like what you could do, I, I'm, I definitely picked this up the first week of release. I think what it was is I'd, I'd made the decision quite late and just ordered it and it came through like two or three days after release. But yeah, I was, I've been in, yeah, pretty much from day one and then spent. I thought I'd spend more time, but it turns out, according to the timer, that I've spent 85 hours on the playthrough that I've currently got. <laughs> but I know that I restarted it because I screwed a few things up at the start and I didn't want to, I wanted to go back and redo them. So, yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. 85 hours. Uh, CJ, what about you? Uh, I didn't come to the game until ages after launch. I mean, ages. Uh, for some reason, it just didn't figure on my radar at all um, until a comment by one of my favorite writers, uh, Grant Morrison. Uh, Morrison's one of those writers that's changed the way that I look at the world, the way that I write and create, and I just presumed he wasn't a gamer. Um, in all my years following his work, I've never heard him speak about games at all. 
And then I found a conversation he had with Comic Book Resources where he was speaking about game worlds, stating that time spent somewhere like Silent Hill can exist in the memory in the same way as anywhere that we've actually visited or known. Those we understand our way around purely by instinct. Um, in this piece, he, he touched upon Just Cause 2's Pinal, stating that he didn't like the excuse of a story, but the world was memorable to, to create mischief in. Uh, so I downloaded the demo on Xbox 360, which I think gave you about 30 minutes to go as far in any direction as you wanted. Um, and after about two swathes of those uh, those 30 minutes, I, I just ordered it. Um, I think it was knocking around the £15 mark at the time, uh, but I was out of work, so anything was a big, big decision. But I figured I'd have a lot of fun in that world, so it uh, so it seemed worth it. So I... Um, I ummed and ahed between the the PS3 and the 60 at first, and the 360 at first, because the, the PS3, as Brian said, had the video capture and the 360 had custom soundtracks, and I quite fancied the latter. And given the way that I enjoyed Just Cause 2, I didn't realise at that point quite how important those custom soundtracks were going to be. I don't remember when I came to the game necessarily. It must have been within the first year or two of its release, although I don't recall being like actively excited for it beforehand or even remember how I came to learn of its existence but I I do remember once I started playing it like it quickly solidified itself as a very important title in my gaming library Um, I have the game on 360 and I also have it on uh, on Steam on PC which is you know it's down to like two dollars very often in steam sales which is an incredible steal incredible value for money and so i i think i've beaten the story on both of the systems and i just kind of go around and make mischief but uh i, I kind of treat the two games differently the um, xbox 360 one is kind of the one that i you know pal around with friends and we all pile around the tv and just you know challenge each other to like just cause horse like let's see if you can do this and um so that's always kind of fun and then the the pc version i have heavily modified and so it's just whatever kind of like browsing through the mod wikis which there are a lot of uh really great just cause 2 modding communities um scrolling through those and saying like oh that looks absolutely insane let's give it a try and so i've just got mods and mods piled on top of each other on the pc and that's kind of my uh um my home bed for for chaos so to speak hmm. even though i guess both versions really fall into that description well but the pc version is bonkers all right uh this game was originally slated for a 2008 release but it was twice delayed yeah it's a very ambitious game built on a very large scale and so presumably they were taking that time to really iron out the mechanics and it does feel like a very well-polished game even the pc version i don't have a terribly powerful pc but my pc can run just cause to you know at full clip the entire time and it looks stunning and like the the vistas that you get to look at and the even the the clouds and the weather effects and everything like i'm always surprised that my pc can and can pull that out of it 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 does run very well on consoles and on pc so even if you have a lower end pc i'd say give it a try Maybe even if you have to knock a couple of settings down, it's still a nice looking game. It should play fairly well, especially if you have a controller. Uh, the music was composed by Mats Lundgren and Anders Ellen. 
Is there anything any of you have to say about the soundtrack? Because for me, it it doesn't really stand out all that much. I think it's awful. I think it's really generic. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just it's just it seems like directionless bombast. And uh, as soon as I stuck a USB stick in and changed the atmosphere, I had more fun with it. Um, but yeah, that that was just dialed right down very very early. Mm. Uh, I do like my video game soundtracks, but um, no, it's a duffer for me. Yeah, the only uh, sounds I remember are the explosions and the collapsing buildings and bullets and bombs and whatnot. It was, um, yeah, the music just faded into the background. Yeah, I I think I'm in the same boat. I actually think I've turned the music off on the options. I have to say the one thing that stands out for me is the the brass swell that happens every time an enemy spots you. Hmm. Because if you have the music turned on, that happens constantly. Um, but yeah, as far as the music and they did release a, uh, an on disc soundtrack, just cause two music to blow up by. So if you're so inspired by the music in the game, you can listen to it in your iTunes library. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm baffled that, that it got a release. It just (laughs) seems strange, really, really strange. It does. Uh, the game was received fairly well. It has an 82 to 86% on game rankings and 81 to 84 on Metacritic, depending on the different versions, uh, which is uh, actually a little lower than I would have expected looking back on it. But um, yeah, that's still a, a fairly positive reception. And just among kind of word of mouth of video gamers is one of those kind of ubiquitous like touch points for many people that they have during their you know conversation so apparently it's well loved i think it's one of those that as soon as it hits a certain price point you start to look at it yeah, uh, yeah. a little more seriously like and i mean uh regarding avalanche mad max i'm kind of waiting for that to hit <laughs> the sort of 20 pound mark which ironically i think will be the point where just cause three comes out but um but yeah i think once it hits that price point not only is it more uh more of a valid purchase for people but you also build up a groundswell of a a greater fan base i guess for for whatever comes later and you know word of mouth goes around and it's it's less of a risk to try something out that i don't know we 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 still tend to judge games that great games are uh nines and tens but there are six sevens and eights that may well have their quirks and their flaws and their ambitions but once you once you get into them you can you might enjoy running around in those more than the ones that uh, that are supposed to be flat-out masterpieces. <laughs> I wonder how much of the um, the word of mouth is actually coming from stems from the PC community because, like, they've only, like, hasn't that re- fairly recently had an update as well? So it's, you know, it's something that it seems that the mod side of things kept that game alive, like you get with those games every now and again where they just, they seem to uh, go well beyond the expected longevity of a title where it's just, you know, because they either support or allow the mod community just to go hog wild with that stuff. And, you know, they added multiplayer, they added all kinds of modes. And I, I wonder how, because, I, I, you know, you don't really hear that many people talking about it on consoles per se. So, But I still, every now and again, you see a story or a video that stems from the PC version. Um, I think you're right there, Jay. I mean, if I think about the times I've gone back to the game, it's because I've heard uh, Jeff Gertzman usually on Giant Bomb talking about the, the latest mod, the latest update mm. on the PC version. So even though I don't have the PC version, um, it, it's enough to sort of 
rekindle that desire to, mm. to want to go back and have a mess around again with the mechanics. Let's talk a little bit about those mechanics. Uh, I guess the first thing I wanted to um, just kind of incrementally build upon our understanding of the game, uh, the locomotion, kind of the running, the vehicles, the parachute. How does it feel to get around this world? Because the world itself is huge. I, I, always, I mean, I always struggle, actually, uh, when I'm, I find myself stuck on foot in just cause to it's mm. so you i mean so you can run places and, and uh but you know it's it, it's it's so massive getting anywhere on foot is is an impossibility so you know there's there's enough vehicles dotted around that you can jump into them and drive but uh the i, I mean i personally found the driving to be atrocious um and yeah it, it's not it great never I, I, I the only thing i used vehicles for was to get high speed i guess some speed up so then you could launch yourself out with your parachute and uh you know get a bit of uh, get a bit of air uh so that was i can't remember i watched must have watched a video on youtube of someone showing how you do the uh the grappling motion so you can essentially pull yourself from place to place mm-hmm. while keeping the parachute inflated um so you fire the, the grappling hook into the ground and then it sort of you hit a pivot point where it sort of throws you forward and then it just keeps, you can just basically keep going as long as you don't sort of hit a, hit a, a sheer mountain face or anything like that. That was the only way I, I ever really got around once I figured out how to do it. And that in itself was brilliant. I mean, it was just, you know, in, inevitably in Just Cause 2, you end up going somewhere, getting into a massive fight, uh, usually early on in the game certainly taking a lot of damage and needing to get out of somewhere fast and just pinging the grappling hook into the ground and you know popping the parachute and sort of flying away almost sort of casually drifting away from all this mayhem and carnage it's just uh, that, that that was my mode of transport and i always enjoyed it i found being on foot tedious just because yep. you you yeah. could you know like you say you were you were slow even sprinting is really it feels slow in comparison going back to it recently i was like you you press sprint and he has the most it's like a really awkward movement to it and it it felt slow in comparison to other games today but there was only ever for me one mode of transport and that was i would call in um the the rawlinson little mini chopper type thing that you got with machine guns and that is pretty much the only vehicle i ever use it's like $35,000 a pop. And so it's not too expensive. It's not like the big, the other gunship, which is way more money. Um, but it was just the easiest way to get around there. And it was, to me, I always felt that you couldn't explore. You wouldn't be able to find a lot of the places on the island unless you're doing it from the air. It was the only way I could ever spot anything. Yeah. So it was always got to get some height. And then I'll, you know, because I was obsessed very early on with this game to to find everything on the map and and then and then proceed to 100% every village on the map which I'm yet to still complete it but but it's it's still on my on my bucket list so I don't know you know but um but it's no the most task it well I'm 70 73.8% done on that now so yeah um, I've still got a, a quite a substantial chunk of that island to um, to 100. percent Yeah, you'll have it done in a few more years, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then I saw, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I looked at it the other day, and it was just like, you know, 
I started from the bottom of the map and worked up. And so I'm, a, I'm past the halfway point, but there's too many little villages and things that are saying like 86% and stuff. So I know there's only one little box to find on those things. And it's just, it's just <laughs> that, I don't know. It's an OCD nightmare, this game. It really is. Yeah, it's yeah. just... Yeah, I, uh, I I enjoyed driving with the cars. I must admit, I, I found them sort of the the best cars that I'd uh, that driven in this kind of game. And I think that uh, Sleeping Dogs kind of outdid them uh, a mm-hmm. little bit further down the line. But the running stuff, I uh, didn't particularly mind up until the point where uh, you started to get quite vertical terrain, and then it just looked like he was doing this sort of side-on doll sort of run <laughs> as he was going up like a, a mountain <laughs> and stuff, which was a uh, a little strange, but uh, I I was I was rubbish at getting the the parachute out with the uh, with the grappling hook. I just uh, as Jay was saying, get the little Kinder Surprise helicopter and and fly around in that, or or sort of uh, sort of flail around in the cars as much as I could. But uh, but yeah, I, I I found it fun to control. I, I I didn't there was a there was a simplicity in there which I really really enjoyed, and I think that. That, that helped with how much I got lost in the game and how much fun that I had with it as well. So it, it didn't fight me. While it wasn't perfect, it didn't, it didn't fight me at all. I do love that, that parachute grappling hook cycle that Brian mentioned, the uh, hitting the left bumper to grappling hook over to a, a higher up point far away than launching your parachute open, just kind of like firing at the ground in front of you and pulling yourself along to give you a little bit more space. Uh, the only weakness in... Uh, in that method is if you ever find yourself over a body of water and starting to lose some altitude, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, that, it's yeah. miserable to find yourself in the middle of a large body of water and have to swim to shore because there's uh, <laughs> there's no contingency plan for that. You can potentially get lucky if a boat is passing by and you can grapple onto that and steal the boat. But if you're out there by yourself, you're going to be swimming for a very, very long time. Yeah, that that I mean that's the major drawback I think of of the whole sort of um, on on foot movement is that if you if you're in a, the middle of the jungle or you're in the middle of a desert area or top of a mountain or you know anywhere that there isn't anybody else around, there's a, the only real option you've got is to kind of you can call in the extraction, can't you? you can call a a chopper in to pick you up and drop you off somewhere else, or certainly later in the game. Can you, you do can. that in the water? Not in the water, no, 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 but okay. uh, other places. Uh, the water, you, you're stuffed. You just have to <laughs> swim to shore or, you know, reload yeah. or something. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, yeah, I mean, the game, there were there were quite a few times I found myself without a, a vehicle and needing to get somewhere. And, yeah, and as, as much fun as the grappling hook parachute combo is, it, it, it can take a while to to get anywhere it's quite a leisurely way of, of traveling around the world so i mean of course the best the best option for travel is to cause as much uh, trouble as you can so that they send in an attack chopper and then you can use your grappling hook to hang on to that kick the pilot out and go flying off that's uh, mm-hmm. that's one way of getting about the thing about the vehicles is that they're they're very bouncy uh like yeah. they handle in a very arcadey way which i think is actually kind of okay uh, in that the bounciness of the vehicle physics sends you flipping over rocks and and doing probably more high action maneuvers than you intend to do just because it doesn't handle uh, as well as you might like it to. But it, it does kind of add to the, the ludicrousness of the whole situation a little bit. And then I, I do always really like jumping on top of somebody else's car while they're driving yeah. and just 
surfing on top of it and having them yell at me like, what are you doing up there? Get off my car. <laughs> it's always a lot of fun. And <laughs> um, planes, you can hijack planes and uh, helicopters, like we said before. But uh, yeah, if you get a, you know, a jet fighter while it's taking off, then you can take that. And that's always very useful. Uh, you can... <laughs> You can grapple onto a passenger plane, stand on top of it while it's on flight, and then kick in the window and and um, throw out the pilot and just pilot <laughs> this like full size passenger plane around and crash it into a mountain or something like. It was it was glorious yeah. to uh, to to launch a uh, sort of a Boeing seven four seven and take it into the sky. I was terrible at controlling planes, absolutely terrible. <laughs> but just just standing on it. In the yeah. middle, especially the way you just kind of get out of the cockpit um, and just standing in the middle of it and just it just seemed bonkers but I, I quite like that and and would 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 soon sort of crash and burn because they were the turning circles on those were just horrible but um I wish they were more fun to to fly around in because it would have been uh, it would have been nice to to go around Penau in sort of a, a 747 and then try and land it somewhere <laughs> and then just get out, cause some trouble and then take to the skies again. That would have been ace. There's certain military bases that have the military aircraft. So there's one really cool, like, uh, I don't know how they call it, but the, the wings are sort of pointing forward type jet. So you've got, a, rather than have them uh, angled backwards, like in a wedge shape, it's like the other way. Or like the F, F-15, like sort of Top Gun type plane. Well, no, that's that's they're the ones that sort of swing back. But this one's kind of more like a Firefox type thing where it's got a... All right, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I know the ones you But mean. it was always, uh, once I'd realized where that base was, that's the only place I would ever go. But the thing with the planes is all I ever used to do was just literally aim them up and just go as far as possible. And that's something <laughs> that I was... And even now, even now, like five years later, it's still impressive how big the skybox is, how yeah. how, how epic the, the scope is. I mean, quite honestly, there hasn't been an island quite as, as immense with its content as, as until the likes of like... I guess GTA just so filled with stuff but it was just that sense of going higher and higher and then seeing the clouds coming in and then bailing and then just jumping out yeah. and just free falling I mean sometimes I'd open the parachute the second you get out and just see how long it took to get to the ground and it would take ages you're just sitting there for ages spinning around slowly and you can't even see anything down below, you know. You can't make out the villages at that point. And it's just slowly you start coming into the stuff. And then it would be like trying to land on a car as you're coming in just to be cocky about it, you know. It's just there was there was a lot of that in this game. A lot of just just dicking about, really. <laughs> it's just... Well, I'm, not, I'm not really a sandbox guy. I, I, I never had been sort of before that. Um, I do prefer my games a lot more sort of curated and focused in general. But... I, I just loved where going wherever the chuff I wanted with this. It was mm. great. It was and and again I hadn't really thought of it, but because you could really take to the sky and go as high up as you want. And they when they were depositing sort of little flying nightclubs and stuff mm. right at the top, they, they it's not as if they, they just get you just had this sort of impossible ceiling. You still had stuff to to jump around with and yeah. shoot things and blow things up up there. And I, I, I love that piece. I've always, I mean, I love sandbox games. I love open worlds. I love the idea of, of where they're not. I like a, any game where you can go where you want very early on in the game. Like there's no restriction. 
they will focus you at various points if you follow the story. But like, and I, I, the idea is some games where you're only allowed to go a certain distance until you reach certain points in the story. And this was kind of, it, it didn't feel, you know, you just went off and do stuff. So when you were uncovering the sense of wonder when you would find, you know, like um, a base right up in the mountains, like this huge base in the mountains. And, and then you, you, would, you would see it from a distance as you come in on a helicopter and you're like, is that a base? Oh, wow, it's miles from anywhere. This is awesome. And then you'd explore. And then, you know, like you said, the, the Zeppelin nightclub in the, in the sky, you're like, as you're coming into that, you're thinking, what's that there? Is that something in the sky? Oh, wow, what's this? Oh, I'm landing on this. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I don't know. It, the, even now, there's, there's, there, was, there are a few games, if any, that have quite had those kind of moments with us. But. And a lot of it does look fairly samey. And we'll talk more about the, uh, the open world in a little bit. But, uh, you know, going around from village to village, and especially if you're just trying to, you know, iron out the last few percentage points of the, the map you need explored, there was a lot of doing the same thing over and over oh, yeah. again. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it is, there are enough surprises to kind of keep it fresh throughout. And just getting between everything and having there be something to do every mm. time you boot up the game and just something to blow up and keep yourself occupied with like it's a uh, it, it's genuinely fun you know it's is a very fun uh experience uh let's talk a little bit about the the grappling hook specifically that's um quite an innovative mechanic i don't remember ever seeing anything like this before in a game but i might be wrong on that i might just not be thinking back hard enough but you can uh, you can use it of course like the spider-man webs to pull yourself in towards a building or towards a vehicle or mm. something. And then if you latch onto the wall of a mountain or onto the wall of a building or something, then you will just uh, kind of hang there suspended off the wall, which allows you to uh, kind of aim up higher and ascend even further. Or you can use it as a point to shoot enemies or, uh, you know, jump off and, or even uh, plant a C4 and then, you know, jump off and watch the big old explosion behind you. But uh, it has the secondary function of being able to tether items together. And so you can tie pretty much any objects you would want to together. So you can tie a, uh, you know, a, a passing car to a, uh, a statue and have it pull mm. the statue down. Or you can tie, as we mentioned before, a, uh, a soldier to a, a petrol canister and then shoot the canister and have it launch out into space and pull this guy along with it and just the the amount of of chaos that you can unleash just by tying things together is a lot of fun i'm sure there's other games out there but the only one that that springs to my mind was batman which i you know was what a year earlier than this yeah 2009 yeah that's true yeah but it was a similar mechanic yeah it, it was just similar in the way that for the majority of the time you would use it you would use it to either scale buildings or, or propel yourself into the air in order to gain momentum and then either in just cause you would pull the parachute whether as in batman you would use your cape but it's you know Batman is, is very restrictive in comparison to this. It's simply there to sort of scale stuff. Occasionally, to, you know, as you upgrade it, I guess you would pull people off. But this is there's way more flexibility in this. There's so many vari variables which you can use the, the grapple hook for. It's just, yeah. Although, to be honest, all I ever really, for the majority of it, was about just scaling buildings and stuff or getting away from getting shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. 
as a as a kid, I uh, I played the heck out of the the Commodore sixty four version of Bionic Commando, mm-hmm. and it certainly gave me a gave me a tickle of that. Uh, flinging myself around with it and punching people with it and bringing them towards me and just seemed like a a fantastic evolution of that. That's something that the you know the three sixty Bionic Commando didn't achieve in even vaguely the same way. Yeah, my favorite feature of it was the anti gravity nature of it, where if you mm. could jump from the highest point, free fall all the way down. And as long as you (laughs) fired that hook into the ground and accelerated yourself towards the ground, you'd be absolutely fine. You got that wonderful little sort of pull of the camera as well, just when you were yeah. you sort of coming towards that. You just fired it, and then it was like that. <laughs> as you were coming yeah, exactly. towards the ground again, it was great. It was a yeah, really, just, yeah. really nice piece of new ones. Then it was. I mean, I, I did. I showed the game off to a few people once, and they were saying that they they, they found that a bit. You know, that's a bit rubbish. The physics are a bit rubbish there. If that doesn't kill you, <laughs> but that's missing the point. Yeah, because that was my favourite thing to do. Pretty much, you mentioned the nightclub in the sky. Was literally jumping off of that, yeah, and free falling down, and then waiting <laughs> to the last possible moment, and then pulling into the ground. Oh, well, there's a, there's a trophy attached to that, though, isn't there? Um, or a trophy or a three achievement, I guess, as well. But the where you have to kind of free fall for a mile or something. And, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's what must have been what I was going after. Yeah, yeah. But I did like the tether function as well. There was one mission. I don't know if it's a side mission or a main mission. That I remember where you had to you could because you could fire the the grappling hook into the statues of um, the, the, the the island dictator latch onto a car, yank the statue down, and then there was one where you had to drag the head of the statue, I think, all the way <laughs> down this coast road to drop it off at the rebel base or something like that. And then the thing would be swinging around and yanking you off the side of the, uh, the side of the cliff and all that sort of stuff. It was it was a frustration to get it finished, but it was just just the the ways you could use the grappling hook and cause uh, cause maximum sort of carnage with it was just fantastic. It was a, it's a great it's a great toy. And uh, pulling statues down with the cars is very dependent upon the the weight of the vehicle as well. And so yeah. if you uh, make the mistake of attaching it to a a little light <laughs> car, then um, you know it'll send the car flying into the air as it as it can't quite uh, escape the the pull of the statue. Yeah, it's a fun tool. There are, I guess there are two types of, of gas canisters. There's the little small ones. You shoot them and they just kind of like zip all around the room. Like if you were to uh, blow up a balloon and then unleash it and just mm-hmm. watch it fly all over the place before eventually exploding. And then uh, there's uh, kind of like larger upright ones that you shoot and they have a bit of a time delay. And then they, they shoot off straight up into the air and, uh, yeah. you know, explode way high up into the atmosphere and those ones, if you shoot them and then wait like just the exact right time and grapple onto them right as they're taking off, then you can ride along with it, which is a <laughs> lot of fun. If you do it too early or too late, it doesn't work. But uh, yeah, it's fun to to ride those up like a rocket. Make sure to jump off at the right time. It's kind of like that uh, the scene in Toy Story. I think there's a with the um, with things like that and the the. The velocity, those voluptuous expo- explosions in general. There's something of kind of the Looney Tunes and the Roadrunner in them as yeah, well, which, yeah. I, which I really, really like. Uh, you know, we're, we're shown this sort of uh, this war-torn foreign island, and and yet there's there is that degree of cartoon to it, which I think lessens lessens the violence almost. It doesn't make it seem seem sort of super harsh. And you know, I've, I've normally got a decent moral compass in these sort of things, but the the island might as well be called "Everyone's an Arsehole." <laughs> oh, I, this is like this is 
one of the areas that I actually kind of, I would say, critical of the game. Now, when I say critical, it's like it's not that big a problem, but there's a real tonality issue with the game. You do play as this uh, CIA agent that's trying to, I guess, liberate this island nation from this dictator. And, and it's always one of those kind of like for the good of the people type situations that it puts you into. Mm. But the the game makes no effort to, uh, you know, like the, the Batman Arkham City and Arkham mm. Knight, uh, Arkham Origins, they depopulate the city. Uh, there are no pedestrians anywhere. A lot of those games where you're supposed to be playing as a good guy, kind of like a, a sleeping dogs will kind of punish you in ways for not acting like a good mm. police officer and causing civilian casualties and whatnot. But, you know, Just Cause 2, for something that's so big and explosive, uh, makes no effort to uh, to decrease civilian casualties at all. It makes no punishment. It doesn't even mention that maybe you shouldn't be killing civilians. Uh, you know, you can, as I said before, hijack passenger planes and, and crash the planes into mountainsides. And, you know, he just laughs it off like he's having a good old time. And, you know, it's not really just like the real cia then isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i think the it it tries to well it it vaguely tries to draw you in with different factions and and sort of pulling a a a story of upheaval into into the game but it's it's nonsense and more moreover i found that the point where the game tried to uh force me into a mission in the story was just painful it just wasn't as much fun as as johnnying around on my own and, mm. and oftentimes right. it would be sending me into a place that i'd already liberated anyway i'd found the when it was when it was going into the you know the driver car sort of to such, such and such it was it was all right some of them could be a bit painful some of them could be quite fun but i, I generally found that was the the sticking point for me was i didn't want to progress with the story because it, it just seemed to put the brakes on the game for me. The problem for me was that, like you said, your actions, the things that it allowed you to do were ridiculous, like completely insane. But the story didn't have the same... Well, not until the very end does the story have the same level of, like, you know, what the hell, you know? But it's just... And I felt it was just just kind of off a bit. And there's no sense of character with the people but i assume that it's just a hardware problem that you couldn't they couldn't add that extra layer in there with that sort of thing because of you know the machines they were running on and stuff so in all honesty i'm not i'm not sure i'd have i'd have wanted that in this game no it doesn't no absolutely not i mentioned the the bionic commando aspect but this is one of those games that that felt uh, while it's while the setting's an open world and it felt like an old school arcade machine, like, you know, uh, a Commando or a Green Beret or, or or something like that, where you went in, you shot things, you blew things up, people yeah. ran away. You you know, in this case, you could drive cars and things, jump in helicopters. But there was no point mm. with, the, uh, with what the game was delivering to me um, where I had any pangs for the people or the island or anything like that. Mm. That wasn't the tone that was suggested. Um, and there was a point where I kind of manually changed that tone, which I'll come to a little bit later on. But the game was just some huge, crazy cartoon, and I got I got out of it the same that I've seen other people get out of the likes of a of a Grand Theft Auto. 
this game reminded me a lot of another game series, which I guess, I, I mean, there are series I haven't actually gone back to in a long time. So it may be just as ridiculous, but the Mercenaries games. Yeah. And yeah. I had to check, like, because I wasn't sure if the, you know, at the time when, when we first talked about this game, I wondered if they were the same developers. And then I'll, I've actually got the Mercenaries games, but then I pulled the boxes out and had a look and it was Pandemic. So I thought, well, they're not even, you know, there's no connection there, but there's a there's a similar kind of vibe to those games in that they're kind of utterly ridiculous on so many levels, but there's this emphasis on kind of um, free ro- f- the freedom of destruction in, in a sense. It was just this idea that you could just go off and start blowing stuff up and, and you know, in Mercenaries, you can start bringing down buildings and everything, which was, you know, it's... I don't know, but I got the same kind of kick out of um, out of Just Cause Two as I did with those games, and and yeah, but only the story was even less compelling than the Mercenaries games. That's for sure. Yeah, I went from this to uh, Saint Row Three when it turned upon <laughs> yeah. PlayStation Plus, and I expected a similar level of cartoon in that, mm. and just didn't click with it. Just didn't click with it at all. Mm. And if anything. Um, my my comparison to the level of cartooniness and the world and just how much fun it was to jump around and was was Crackdown, um, which was a game I similarly just poured hours into and just had stupendous fun and had no uh, moral compass for the mm. populace or anything like that. It was just climbing up buildings, blowing things up, causing trouble and just having a great time. I guess the only thing that really bugged me was, uh, you know, I understood going up to the military bases and shooting mm. down or yeah, blowing up their anti-aircraft missiles. It's like, yeah, take down the military industrial complex. But then going into just this little peaceful village and destroying its water tower, I'm like, ooh, was that a good thing to do? <laughs> of course it was because it goes... It goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like and destroying the, their gas stations. Like, oh, they, well, they might have wanted that actually. Well, yeah. The, when you when you say that, there's a whole section of the there's a there's an area, and it's got loads of um, giant wind turbines. You know, like, uh, <laughs> and you you, yeah. you shoot them down, and you get points for each one that you take down, and you can take the propellers off one by one, and then then the whole thing will come down, and you kind of think, okay, that's kind of that's kind of dark, isn't it? Really, <laughs> you're taking. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm here destroying their power supply and I'm cutting off their water supplies yeah. and whever. And it's it was just... government branded, but you know, it's it feels more like a public utility. Yeah. That that never crossed my mind simply because <laughs> I looked at those at those uh, propellers sort of falling off bit by bit, and it just looked pretty. <laughs> it was like a, it was like petals falling from a flower uh, with an explosion sort of tied to it. But no, I never even vaguely considered considered that stuff. It was just run around, make things go boom. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see them as people. I didn't see this place as an island uh, in in that kind of real world. All oh, you're making uh, a difference way. And I I wouldn't... Was Rico an American? I always thought he was... That, that accent could really he suggest most places. He has a, like a strong places. like a Latin American accent, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. he was a CIA agent. So I think that would mean he'd have to be at least nationally from the United States, whether he was... Uh, immigrant or whether he was just a family of um like his family had come over from mexico or whatever but he mm-hmm. has a, an accent but i believe he's american i think i think the uh the, the character of rico in in that regard tied into the way that i thought of the world because there was almost this degree of kind of grindhouse 
within sort yeah, of you yeah. know him being like, I am here to free your people, and uh, <laughs> and and all the all the explosions and just that level of sheer daftness. Well, I kind of wish they'd amped all that up. I think the biggest like I, I kind of feel they should. Because they do, they do in parts, right? Uh, I know I'm jumping to the end again, but at the end, that's the only time where it gets so cartoonishly ridiculous that it starts to feel like it fits with what I've been doing for the, the feels whole. Feels like a, like the Team America movie or something. Yeah, and I feel that like they should have they should have taken that. Like to me, that's that's what's lacking. For, uh, certainly, in, in, just in regards to the characters and the story, I feel they should have really just gone to town with how because there's there's no limitation with that stuff. They, you know, the stuff that you're doing, the abilities you have are ridiculous. So why not just take it to the you know, crank it up to eleven with that stuff? It, it, it would at least feel more fitting. The problem is the story kind of feels a little too grounded for its own good mm. at times. Like you know. Yeah, the conversations you have with your other CIA guys that you meet up with, it feels too normal, too mm. much like, you know, kind of the kind of thing that we've seen in, in more serious games. And it's like, yeah, no, yeah I want to see I want to see clowns. I want to see cartoon characters. And it's just there are, there are kind of flickers of uh, of the daftness that happen in the game every now and again, where you blow you blow up like a, a big power plant or something, and you mm. just hear like, "Oh, come on the radio!" Like, uh, we just like everyone to know that everything's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 had a, had a few problems with wiring yeah, yeah. or testing, yeah. and and that to me made me giggle. And again, I I would have liked more of that. And if yeah, it more been, of it. That's if it had been written well and it had tied into. I mean, there's a number of us that are going through. Uh, Destiny now, and we're seeing the the changes that uh, a few giggles and a few bits of uh, cool writing to, can make to something that's fairly standard. And I, I would have liked that tone for the rest of the yeah. game and and to tie into that that grindhouse atmosphere. I really kind of wish I could have customized Rico as a character as well. For oh some, yeah, yeah, true. You know, just you know, the kind of thing in a way referring back to Saints Row. You know, the kind of you see, there's a game that at least has it, it, it if you will however you feel about the tone of those games it knows what it is and where's yeah, yeah, it's sure. kind of yeah. it's stupidity on its sleeve you know and and i feel that just cause kind of should have embraced that on a far better i mean even back then you know i feel that it should have embraced it more and you know maybe you could have dressed uh rico up in like a clown outfit or something whilst you were running rampage through yeah, military bases cool. or something but just something to sort of you know, because like as a character, he's just bland as hell. You know, it's just speaking of dressing up. There, there was I'm um, going back to Sleeping Dogs as well. There was a a Rico Rodriguez outfit that you earned towards <laughs> the start of Sleeping Dogs, wasn't there? Uh, if you had bizarre. the game installed on your Steam yeah, library, yeah. then yeah, you could redeem that in Sleeping Dogs. On Jay's point, I'm going to kind of disagree a little bit and say that in these kind of open world games that encourage you to break the rules of mm. the world that you're put into, it's only so fun as far as you feel like you are actually breaking the rules. I mean, naturally, that's what they set up the game to do in the first place. But uh, with something like, um, you know, the disparity between Grand Theft Auto, which creates a very kind of naturalistic like emulation of the real world so to speak, versus Saints Row, which is a cartoon. It feels so much more fun to just do like the littlest daft things in Grand Theft Auto versus, you know, the 
biggest over-the-top stuff in Saints Row because it feels expected. It feels like it's a part of that mm-hmm. world. You feel like you, you know, you just push on it a little bit and it falls all the way over. Whereas, you know, Grand Theft Auto, you feel like you kind of have to work for your jokes and have to, when something goes wrong, it feels like something is going wrong in the real world. And and so the, the games like uh, like Heavy Rain or, or stuff like that are the most fun to break because they feel like they're emulating real places that have like real rules. And mm-hmm. I think that Just Cause 2, if they made it any hammier, I don't think their writing would have been strong enough to not make that incredibly grating because I've mm-hmm. seen that exact kind of thing in many other games and it, it gets to the point where it's like, I know how funny you think you are, but you're really not. And I just wish that you wouldn't do this. And so I was okay with maybe they had a prototype of Rico just being this like wisecracking, like very over the top, like Schwarzenegger type of character yeah. or, or Van Damme type character. But, um, and maybe they scaled it back because they just said like this we'd rather have somebody boring than somebody actively grading. It's got to be incredibly hard to write funny. Well, no, no, having, yeah. having listened to or, or watched many unfunny movies that weren't supposed to be, you know, because of the writing and stuff. But yeah. But again, I think that that comes down to the quality of the writing and, you know, the, right. there may well have been somebody that could, that could stuff it up. Let's face it. The, the story that's in there is garbage, but, um, and, and there is that sort of balance of tone between, uh, the missions and just running around in this in this world and uh, and having big cartoony fun. But I think mm. if you got a writer on there that was uh, that was in sync with the development team that could write subtly but with but with that degree of humor, not force it on the player, uh, you know, too much with the same jokes all over mm. and over again. I think quality writing would would shine in this sort of game, especially if it. Uh, if it was in sync with the world and like say in sync with the mm. development team and uh, that's not always obvious. But it is tricky though, isn't it? Because the the writing has to focus within just the story. You can't, it, 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 with this game, the majority of the time that I spent was just free roaming, getting up to mischief yeah, and quite. to which script has no bearing on that at all. Hmm. And, and, you know, and, and really the only time I was interested in the story is when I'd spent so much time free roaming, unlocking bases and stuff and, and gaining upgrades and leveling up to the point where I just thought, you know what, I should actually just get the story done now. Because mm. um, it was always about getting more powerful weapons because it was that situation with me where if I can grind and power up before I go into somewhere like a base or what I think is going to be a big firefight, then I'll do that. I'll spend a few hours, level up, go in, and then annihilate everything really easily. But it was, a, you know, we, we, I got to the point in that game where the story mode was just like, yep, yeah, okay, I'm just going to run through, speed run through this bit to get it out of the way because it was just, I don't know, there was no, that wasn't what I was playing the game for. Mm. That wasn't what was driving me. To, you know, I completed it just to get it out of the way, nothing more. Well, again, if they got the, the right tone, they got the right script writing, they 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 got um, better missions for the story. That that mm. to me is one of the things that's that's off with the game. I I agree with you. My fun was was running around this this great open world. But if there was 
more temptation to 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 have fun with the stories if I got to get to know the characters. I actually got to care for the people in the world a little more with some quality writing in the story and got a tone for um for what was going on as to whether they were playing that for for laughs or they were you know hinting at sort of further atrocities or or whatever i I would have been interested mm. to see uh a lot of quality in that regard and to see if that maybe want to do more of the story stuff and not just uh find my own fun in there yeah well i think they tried to do that with with some of the faction heads didn't they I, my reading of it was that they were trying to be blackly comic in the things that they were talking about because they were hmm. pretty vile the characters that you were that you were having hmm. to deal with um and i i think i'm i'm kind of someone that would have wanted a bit more yeah definitely a bit more structure to the game um i'm you know the reason i played this game in kind of three chunks spread out through a couple of years was because you know the the missions and the characters and the, and the world uh, as wasn't enough on its own to kind of hold my attention. It, 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 I could I could get into it. I could play with it. I could have fun with it for a, a short bit period of time, but there was nothing that I felt that was driving me on. And Jay, I know you said mm. you had the sort of completionist urge to want to tick everything off, hundred uh, percent everything. But I tend that doesn't tend to um, work for me. So I would have I would have liked a bit more. Um, a bit more world building, I think, a bit more characterization. That was definitely what what was lacking for me. Hmm. I guess to go into the structure of this story, um, kind of the, the main thread that'll take you through the game, uh, I guess we should give a little spoiler warning because we'll probably talk about some details of the ends, particularly that final boss fight, but none of us have any affection for the story and i i don't think that any of the listeners will either and so if it's spoiled for you that's probably not a huge deal so um you know if you absolutely must go into the game without any spoilers then you know go play it and come back and listen to the rest but uh as for us on the panel we wouldn't have cared if it had been spoiled for us so uh you know take that how you will you play as Rico Rodriguez, as we mentioned before, a CIA agent who was uh, going into the island of Panau to uh, dethrone Panak Baby Panay, uh, the dictator who's kind of like a like a King, Kim Jong Un kind of uh, type figure. Um, put statues of himself up all over the island. Has a highly militarized force, which seems to be policing the people. And um, I don't know if there were any kind of natural resources that we were after there, but. Uh, and you were also supposed to be hunting down a, a rogue agent, uh, Tom Sheldon, who was a character from the first game, uh, kind of Rico's friend, who um, I guess you learn halfway through the story. There's another character called the Sloth Demon, which is uh, kind of a strange name. Um, it, it's obviously an anagram for Tom Sheldon. So that, that's not a great big surprise when they reveal that. But, uh, you know, he's assisting you throughout the game and... Players of the first game will be familiar with his very distinctive accent, undercutting that uh, that plot point even further. But um, you know, at various points, you team up with the uh, with three factions across the island of of kind of revolutionaries or or counter government factions. Uh, there's the Roaches, the Ular Boys, and the Reapers, and they all kind of have uh, dominion over different parts of the island. But um, Ultimately, I kind of found them to be fairly interchangeable. Yeah. I don't even remember what sets them apart, whether they had, uh, 
you know, particular you know motivations and philosophies that hmm. would distinguish them from one another. But uh, were there any things that stood out about the story for any of you? I think the differentiation was gang colors. That was about yeah, it. that was red, so green, and blue. If I remember, or red, yellow, and green. I don't know. The only thing I remember about the story was they they shoehorned the term "just cause" into the very ending of it, <laughs> and that was about <laughs> it. And at that point, I was like, "Oh, one of those like look at the screen." <laughs> yeah, just like really. Yeah, I guess you can say this was a just cause it, it, it was something like that and i kind of just I, I i wasn't in it for the story at that point it was just <laughs> a case of uh ticking boxes i think but, like, uh, why'd they put a story in just because <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> that would, probably would have been a better use of just cause yeah <laughs> uh, but the the final boss battle i think is fairly memorable all things considered um you know all other stuff mm. aside most of the story if it has worth for anything it's meant to just kind of like tour you around various parts of the island and just make sure that you see interesting things all across the island so you know there'll be missions set in points of interest uh, a giant dam uh, there's one that's kind of like a mount rushmore type of uh, military base and but the final boss battle is standing atop missiles as they're being fired through the air while you're having a gun battle with uh, with baby Pinay. Which is uh, absolutely it's a bit Captain ridiculous. America, really, isn't it? Captain America versus the Red Skull. Any any thoughts on that battle there? Yeah, that was the high point of the story. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, it was just. I just I, I can almost remember being thrown by its ridiculousness because up until that point, it was fairly sedate in you know in terms of what you were doing it was by the numbers up until that point go into this base destroy this or blow up blow up this statue do something that resulted in it but this was like you know you got these nuclear missiles being was it three missiles being fired up and you and you basically grapple in from one missile to the other or something and it was just like what the hell like this is just this is insane but the high point of the of the narrative but what can you do yeah, and I'd say the story is is fairly skippable. Like, I don't think it even yeah. really rewards you with much for uh, for completing the story, other than I guess getting acquainted with the different factions, which do mm-hmm. have their mechanical significance. But uh, I I'd almost recommend for players playing the game to just kind of ignore it. Like, I don't yep. think it really adds a lot to the experience. I agree. Do you have to? Because I know that you obviously have the. Um... So as you're playing around in the game world and blowing things up, you earn chaos points. Mm. And those mm-hmm. chaos points then unlock the story missions. But do those story missions then unlock further faction missions? I can't it's, it's been so long since I unlocked everything that I can't remember. But I mean, that's there maybe be... more weapons that you can buy from the Sloth Demon. I don't know, I never I never really sort of ran out of money to buy things and the the, yeah. the stuff that that I could get in the um, in the deliveries always seemed pretty top tier anyway. So hmm. um, I don't know. That probably would have been more of an incentive to to crack through the stories if if, if more outlandish stuff was uh, was available, or at the end of that mission, you might have found something that you'd never even seen in the game before. I didn't know was was there. That would have been more of a temptation to uh, to go through them. I think, but. I mean, the story itself wasn't, as we've said, was, was, is definitely not the game's strong point. Um, but I don't think that, that particular structure helped matters because you would spend 
you know, a good four hours between story missions, just, you know, randomly completing objectives for, you know, this faction or that faction, uh, or, you know, just liberating villages, uh, whatever it would be. Mm. And it just, it, it, it makes the storytelling so fractured throughout the game that by the time I think that you, you come face to face with uh, the, the, the dictator, you've essentially forgotten who he is. Um, yeah. And I don't think he, he carries, it carries particularly much weight. Um, so I'd be interested to see what they do, Just Cause Three, and whether they they lean more towards you know all out craziness, or whether they start trying to put, put a bit more of a story into it and a bit more uh, structure to the activities. Oh, it, is, it is a tricky one. I mean, the structure is a really difficult thing to sort of implement in a game like that because it's meant to be this playground to just mess around in isn't it it just feels like the, the game is predominantly designed to just it is a sandbox essentially yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but then gta 5 is a sandbox but the way they introduce yeah side so... activities mm. at, you know as side as essentially as side missions you know you're encouraged to at least try this thing out once and, and move on to something else helps just kind of make it all feel a bit more cohesive i don't know you, i don't think it it, it that for a lot of for a lot of things that you do in uh, just cause it's about finding a marker and and that's it and then you know a bit mm. of text pops up telling you what to do and i, I think that you know that it might be interesting to see if they could they can learn some lessons there from from rockstar um i mean that the you know they're never going to get the detail of world building that rockstar have but certainly i would appreciate a a bit more a, a bit more nuance in the the design of the of the island of the world, I, I, what one sort of big issue I had with it was I always felt constantly that I was being attacked by the um, uh, government forces. That everywhere you went on the island mm. was basically you'd you'd always inevitably pass a roadblock, a you know soldier on a scooter, a, a jeep that would then trigger a gunfight, which would then call in additional reinforcements, which would then call in you know helicopters and whatnot and it always just it, it felt like it was constantly uh, you were constantly at war rather than well that's down being... to your like because it's got a similar kind of wanted meter hasn't it yeah. so if that's there and you're in that area they every 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 one of those uh, of that faction is going to come after you so be it you know the government or even the gangs if you actually accidentally start shooting them instead suddenly you've got them on your case as well which is quite amusing but um but it'd be interesting if they could create pockets of the island where there was where it was much more of a of a playground where there wasn't such you know threat mm. of of uh getting into you know an escalating a gun battle or anything like that. Um, That's the kind of like Assassin's Creed 3 problem where there's so many enemies around that it's hard to lose your, your wanted meter because there's always somebody else who can see you. Yeah. And so you have to either kill everybody on the island, which is a kind of a big ask, or you know just find this one little pocket of safe space to hide out in. For And that meter goes down fairly slowly too. I always found mm. the, the escalation of enemies always seemed a little off. There was a certain point you could you could hold your own and even get overwhelmed, but you were fine. But then the point where attack choppers arrive en masse, it just <laughs> it just seems there was no uh there was no answer on the top end of it. You either sort of died unfairly or you ran away and tried to get as far away as possible and come back. And I would have liked a degree of being able to of of challenge there, but maybe holding my own or feeling that if I died that it wasn't uh, 
that it was my fault rather than just getting to the point where there were, you know, two or three attacked yeah. choppers and I had nowhere to hide or even having yeah. places in, say, the villages or the level or something where you could... I don't know, go underground or you could hide, you could sort of huddle out or you could find a, a little pocket to fire upon the, the, the choppers that they couldn't get near just to make just a little individuality within the, uh, the village or the town design where there was say a point which you, which you had to discover through panic maybe, but that point where you could take that breather and feel like you were in control again. I mean, this might be faulty memory again, but you know, so, uh, you know, big, part of the game is trying to build up a sphere of influence for the factions but i don't remember that making any difference to the situation on the ground you mm. were still encountering government forces in as great a number as you would uh, anywhere else or if, yeah if that's the, true sphere of influence wasn't, and, and you know some, some of the missions that the faction sent you on i thought were they, they were they were fun they were they were interesting and you know, if you're creating these spaces in the world where essentially you're, you know, you're handing control over to another party, then giving them creating things for you to do that fit with their personality, their uh, their way of approaching problems, or something like that, but which so it took the pressure off a little bit in terms of the you know the fight for survival, but then let you play around with the the explosive nature of the the game mechanics. Mm. I, that would have been, I think, for me. Uh, something that they, they, they could have done uh, and that they, they should have done and hopefully they will look to do in a later game. Like this game was five years old and I, I think having watched, um, I'm not having played it, but having watched about 20 hours of people playing Mad Max fight through the PlayStation 4, um, there definitely seems to be, they've improved as a studio, you know, at least in terms of... Uh, certain aspects in terms of how they handle the narrative. I know that's a different game, so it'd be more interesting to compare how Just Cause 3 has, has developed along those lines. But if only they can they can get a balance though, because I think technically um, it, they are quite an outstanding studio. I think when you, even like this week, going back and having a look at um, Just Cause Despite it being a five-year-old game, I'm still like impressed by how what they did with that world in terms of like even when you're down in the ground and and wandering through these sort of foresty areas where there's all these trees, you know there's flowers. You go through flower beds and there's all these plants that are rendered there, and you think that's kind of crazy because even when you play something like GTA Five on on the uh, PS3 or or 360, a lot of the open world aspects. So you go up onto the mountain on Mount Chiliad. It doesn't have that level. Even that doesn't have that level of detail. And so you think, well, they got this five mm. years ago. So there's some real savvy tech minds working at Avalanche. And I think it, if only they can get a little, you know, a little bit more in terms of um, the story side of it and bring it not bring it up to the same level because they'd be amazing if they did that but um you know it's do you think maybe after the after the the two delays that were there that um the the game maybe came out and they they still weren't quite uh hadn't quite perfected the tuning of what they wanted to do and maybe that was a uh a sort of final deadline that they that they had to hit because 
thinking about it, not not having known about those delays in the, in the past, and you know, our, 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 our praising and, and criticism and stuff that if they'd have had a little bit more time, that we we might have had a a more finely tuned product on the end of it. I don't know. I mean, it depends on what the the tuning was. I mean, with some of that stuff, it's usually technical, mm. isn't it? It's usually balancing or something or or you know it's it's not usually related to story stuff because that stuff is i i imagine done quite early on in development you know the stories are, are kind of scripted out and stuff the voice work is kind of done and then every you know so stuff coming into delay is usually of a technical nature i would suppose coming uh, back to briefly uh, uh, what brian was saying about the uh um the the escalation and the and the guards coming for you. I did love the uh, the almost Keystone Cops nature of them not be them like <laughs> driving a, a jeep in and it just almost still having the foot on the accelerator and not being able to get to you quick enough. That always made me laugh. Or if you, or if you sort of drove past them, they'd be like, "What?" Um, yeah, I, mm. I, that that really did make me giggle. But the fact that they couldn't get to you quick enough and they couldn't kill you fast enough still it still made me giggle. <laughs> I struggle a lot with the combat though. I mean, the actual shooting mechanic in, in terms of the lock-on and the way the weapons feel, I found it really mm. unwieldy. Where I felt it, it excelled when you're playing was doing like the um, the hijacking of the vehicle side of it. You know, so you're in a car, you're on the roof of a car and it's alongside a Jeep and you can then, you know, fight, get yourself into that and take down the guys around it, you know, kick them out of the car and take, you know, and do the same with the helicopters where you would, you know, attach yourself to the nose of the helicopter and there's a guy trying to shoot you off the, off the side of it and you can then do a sort of like QTE to take him out and to take the pilot out. That's stuff I actually got quite mm. a kick out of, um, Especially once you, because it always seemed to follow the same process. So it got to the point where, I, you know, you could just do it without thinking. And it, it, it just, maybe it was just to do with the animation side of it. You know, it was kind of cool seeing him take these guys out and stuff. It was always funny at that point to uh, to stand on top of the car and see if you could get it and turn it into a fireball and get back in, drive it as fast <laughs> as you possibly could down a motorway, jump out and wait to see how long it, uh, how long it took to hit something. Like, yeah, the, the bullet car was this one of my favorite maneuvers at that point. I think on the combat side of things, the, um, as we were saying earlier about the, the, the on foot movement being, mm. uh, particularly, uh, tedious. I think when, when the game descends into being a straightforward third person shooter, uh, mm. it, that, it, that's its lowest kind of point really. It's, yeah, it shouldn't, absolutely. I don't think it should be played in that way. You find yourself, you know, running out of bullets. I, I, I had a problem with the health system. There is a small mm. amount of rechargeable health. If I remember correctly, um, but you know, finding health packs and things like that to, to to top it back up was was difficult, and it was especially difficult to get it to recharge when you were you know being surrounded on all sides by uh, you know machine gun toting mm. uh, soldiers. So yeah, I think yes. it, keeping keeping distance was was obviously the the way you meant to play this game and hopping around between vehicles. But but sometimes mm. inevitably you would end up just on the ground with a with a machine gun, and, and at that point the combat really really suffered. I thought. I did want to briefly go back into talking a bit about the uh, the open world itself, the islands of Panau. Um, you know, for being such a large space, uh, one estimate puts it at about 385 square miles, which, I mean, compared to the uh, 30 square miles, including all of the uh, underwater stuff in, in GTA 4, is a very impressive map size. And hmm. 
like we said before, it's not really sparse. I mean, there's a lot of repetitive content, but it it yeah. feels populated. And one of the things that always really impressed me about Just Cause 2's map is how uh, how many different biomes there are on this, this island. And you can, uh, you know, there are snowy mountains and there are deserts and there are jungles and there are, you know, everything you can think of. And there's just so much built into this one island, which is, uh, you know, one of the criticisms for open worlds is that you don't get the variety that you would get in like a like an uncharted that takes you to a different continent for every um for every mission but just cause to manage it somehow they have all the variety you would want while still putting it in an open world environment and not feeling forced or strange or unusual to be encountering these different biomes or too daunting i'll tell you what what i, I liked about it was and it, it's such a little touch but once you in the in the top corner of your you know your little uh, hub uh, thing in the in the top sort of left corner of the screen. So when you look at, I spent a lot of time looking for all those little uh, containers. You know whether it was armor. Um, there was the one with the little shield, so that's your armor. There's the one with the little spanner, which is like weapon part, uh, vehicle parts, and then there's weapon parts, and then there's money. But it was like, how are the, you know, when you see the size of the map and you think, how the hell am I supposed to find all this stuff? What, you know, and then it dawns on you that you've got the little, the little, what looks like a little RSS feed in the corner. And it was like, as you get near these boxes, the little bars start to fill up. And then if you, you can sort of just keep turning on the, on a, you know, on the spot until you see it you know, another bar will appear and then you know you're heading in that direction. And then as you get close to it, it will start to flash. And I was like, I would literally spend hours just watching that little <laughs> radar in the corner as I'm walking around. Just, I wouldn't be looking where I'm going. I would just be walking until I yeah. saw that thing flash. If I knew there was stuff in that area, I would just walk around until I, and I would use that. And I actually still now think it's really handy. It's such a clever little device yeah. that I, with stuff... You know, when you've got stuff in in these kind of open worlds where you've got to find things, a lot of the time the hardest thing is is to how to guide the player without giving it away too easily. And I think that does a great job because it doesn't tell you what level this stuff's at. So, you know, you would see it flashing, but you're like, well, I think when, when it gets to the point where it's flashing, you will actually see an icon appear on mm, yeah, yeah, where it arrow is. Pointing so, you towards yeah. it. so you know precisely where it is, but... It could be up and it could be down, and uh, you know. So there was a lot of that kind of scaling buildings to see if it changed or whatever. See if I could, and I that's 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 pretty much probably of the eighty five hours I've spent playing the game, at least seventy of those hours I've spent doing that. Uh, but you know what? That's that's fine because I enjoyed doing it. I, I just I don't know why I'm. I don't even know to this point why I spent so much time collecting those weapon parts because I'm not using them to upgrade anything. I'm just it's just adding to the completion of each little uh, each little village and encampment and stuff. That was it. But um, but that was enough. That was enough of a pull for me to spend it's so much to, time uh, yeah. to get to get quite uh, pernickety about finding those little skulls that were hidden around here, there, and everywhere as well. Am I wrong in thinking? But there was no there was no indication for them other than the little yeah, white. I think there were, on there the were yellow ones and blue ones, weren't there? Or um, but, right. but finding them, they could you know they could be up the side of a mountain or underwater or uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I did if if one of those was nearby when I when I'd taken over a, a village, I'd normally try, mm. I, I, it was just nice to see 
areas of the map become complete <laughs> and uh, and uh, mine. Um, and there are a few kind of destinations along the map as well. There are uh, there's a big like international airport. There's a city. There's uh, um, and there's a few little Easter eggs hidden throughout as well, which is a lot of fun. There's hmm. a there's a bubble gum that or bubble gun that you can get that just shoots out little bubbles, which is fun. There's a, a snowman that Rico talks to when you go and visit it. There's a you know, he has a, a special voice clip that triggers when you're at the, the highest point in the game. I had a I had a really strange one that happened. And I don't know if if this was my game going bonkers or um or what, but there was a there was a, a certain point uh, where everyone in a village was kind of pulling a arms outstretched in a Jesus Christ pose. And not just everybody on the ground, but people were standing up in uh, outside sunroofs in cars. And everybody that was going past. Like the, the default um, modeling pose for a, a 3D yeah. model um, is in that kind of Jesus yeah. pose. And I, I think when the modeling malfunctions, then sometimes that will... It was great. Oh, I, I captured yeah. it on uh, on my phone as well at the time, just going like, what is going on? <laughs> just just pulled the car that I was driving over <laughs> and then just looked at everybody going down the road in these cars. And when they got near me, uh, somebody would stand up in the car out of the sunroof and just put their arms out wide. Every Everybody that was standing around would do it as well. It was <laughs> mental. But I, I, again, another another color that was there. Now, the only, the only thing that I... And I know that somebody's mentioned this in the um, in the feedback, which is the whale. That was that was the only thing I remember looking for. There is one island in the very top left of the map that is based on Lost. Yeah, and so you can fly your plane over to it, and in Lost fashion, it will crash when it comes into a vicinity of the island. And there is a there's the hatch from Lost, and there's the smoke mm. monster that you can find. So those are nice little Easter eggs for Lost fans. Yeah, I was just thinking about that's Hantu Island, isn't it? And you have a mission there where there's a, a load of Japanese World War Two soldiers still mm. thinking uh, the war's going on, and you have to um, you have to go and uh, disable a kind of EMP device that's, that's at the top of a tower. This is what causes the planes to crash on the mm, island. Yeah. I thought that was great because it kind of sh- it kind of shifts in tone um, t- compared to anything else in the game. You, you I think you arrive there, and it's. Uh, it's like a dark and stormy night, and it all, it feels yeah. quite um, yeah, it feels a bit like a horror. Yeah, it's movie pretty clever. I, I would yeah. like more of that, especially if they were they were constantly yeah. shifting the tones. Let's go on to the uh, the stuff that was released after the the main game itself. There was some DLC, which is mostly weapons, and uh, there was one that was particularly useful. That was a uh, like a rocket thruster that you could attach to your parachute. And so instead of pulling yourself along the ground with your grappling hook, you could just kind of zip around using the, the rocket thruster kind of giving you the power of flight for, you know, short little runs before it had to recharge. But that one's useful. I think the rest of it didn't really send out some vehicles, some weapons, uh, anything in there that you guys liked. Um, I, I never, I never played any. Yeah, I, I, I was, I okay, was, fair uh, enough. I was console all the way, but um, as a as a, a tie into to mods, I guess. But a, a, a slight aside, may I may I talk a little bit about the custom soundtracks that I interjected into the game? Sure, um, sure. So yeah, the as as we touched on earlier, the in-game music is like story rubbish. Uh, I dialed it back to zero and initially kicked in with a USB stick full of Commodore 64 SIDGIP classics. Uh, this made things feel much more gamey, I guess, uh, riffing on the the majesty of Commodore's mighty composers while jaunting around blowing stuff up to high heavens was just 
great fun. I suppose that that added to the uh, that uh, classic arcade quality that I was mentioning with the the Binary Commandos and your Green Berets and your Commandos and stuff. Um, but I, I followed this by playing a load of old Radiohead and Tom York albums, and the mood changed. Suddenly, there was this this one point where I was playing, and, and there was a sun setting on Panau with soldiers rushing in, gunfire, and devastation seemed. I don't want to see poignant, but it just the the tone just felt much more sinister. Um, it was ace to to match up that mood to the title and get an entirely different feel for things. I mean, obviously, I was still jollying along, visiting new places, and making them explode. But it was cool, and it was a a, a definite memory uh, that I had with the game that that just seemed a little bit left to center. But I I just really loved listening to those songs and, and playing the game. They 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 slotted together wonderfully. Very cool. Uh, let's talk about the mods for uh, PC players of the game. Um, as I said before, there's a very healthy modding community. There's lots of, you know, Rico skins and stuff that you can get. Uh, one of my favorites was the, uh, there was a mod that changed and tweaked the AI in such a way that just people were just going crazy, um, particularly those who were driving vehicles. And I, I didn't know exactly what this mod was going to do, but when I booted it up for the first time, I was, uh, you know, interested in going towards the city because I was out in the middle of the desert and there really wasn't a lot out there to look at. And so I was, uh, I think, either parachuting or taking a helicopter towards the city, flying over this, uh, uh, these kind of mountain passes. And I, I saw this, this small plane in the distance just kind of riding along and minding its own business and just kind of continuing in a straight line until I just unceremoniously crashed into a mountainside and exploded on its own accord and was like, okay, yeah, this mod was a good idea. And when I got to the city, it was absolutely bonkers. Like the cars were swerving all over the roads and crashing into pedestrians and the planes were flying like upside down, down the city streets and just everything was going crazy. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, playing a modded version of Just Cause 2 is almost like like a different experience in a way. And of course, this kind of peaked at the most famous mod, which is now officially supported as its own separate downloadable Steam game, so to speak. It's a, it's like a 10 megabyte download, but it shows up as a separate game in, uh, in your Steam database, database instead of uh, just layering onto the game itself, although you do have to have the base game installed to play it. But the Just Cause 2 multiplayer mod, which turns it into a like an MMO of sorts, uh, lets you hop on a server with uh, as many people as you want and just go absolutely crazy. Have any of you played this one? No, no, I saw it from afar and it it looked uh, it looked quite interesting. I think they got quite a a few comments as to whether that would be folded into Just Cause Three as well. But um, they've, they've, hmm. they've not been too forthcoming on that in that regard. But yeah, it, with it with it arriving so long after the game, it seemed. It seemed like a strange one, but people seem to be having so much fun with it. It was cool. It makes total sense, though, doesn't it? Because, I mean, something like even just co-op, even if you had four-player co-op in this on the consoles, it would have been it would have been so funny. It's, it's the kind of game that, you know, you don't even need to create missions or stories for them to do, to do anything. If you just put other players in there and, and allow them just to to muck around and you know to grapple each other or whatever it's just it's just yeah it, it, 
it's like the ultimate sandbox thing. It's just in the style of uh, Grand Theft Auto Online or Metal Gear Online. Like this would be another great addition. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, there are so many funny videos on YouTube of people orchestrating these these absolutely bonkers. Like there's a there's one in particular of a like seventy people who are all racing limousines <laughs> around uh, around an airport, and this is this big awful not very well handling limousines all crashing into each other and trying to squeeze through the gates and spinning and oh, it's it's absolutely wild and so definitely worth checking out but yeah uh check out a few videos at least it's i tried hopping on the other night and the servers are completely unpopulated right now at least when i had it on so you might have to orchestrate something yourself if you really wanted to get the full extent of the magic but um it looks like there's a lot of good fun to be had there. Just Cause 3 is coming out later this year in 2015. Uh, if you order it now, it'll include Just Cause 2 as a backwards compatibility download for the Xbox One uh, for a limited time. Uh, it looks to be fairly similar. And actually, as I was playing Just Cause 2, one of the things that I thought was like, if they decided to make a sequel, which they eventually ended up doing what do I want from a sequel? Like Just Cause 2 kind of had everything that I wanted. Like how can you improve upon this? And especially since, you know, Just Cause 3 is going to be marked at a a $60 price tag over in America at least. That is $58 more expensive than Just Cause 2 is. Is it going to be, you know, 30 times the game that Just Cause 2 is for, you know, because you can get that for a steal right now. But, uh, you know, I do like the ability to, share videos which is built into the ps4 and xbox one and uh the the upgraded graphics are always nice although just cause 2 still is a very good looking game the only thing that i really wanted that it doesn't look like just cause 3 is going to have which is unfortunate is um more destructibility of the environments kind of like a um like a red faction gorilla or like mercenaries Mm -hmm. 2 like we mentioned earlier uh just having more impact on your environment around you because you know you can send rockets into mountain walls or into certain buildings and it just won't do anything to it which is a little uh disappointing when it happens but um it doesn't look like it's going to be following through on that which is unfortunate but you know maybe they'll turn that around still uh any thoughts on just cause three uh, other than i'm looking forward to it I'm, I'm secretly hoping that it's a little more fleshed out in terms of uh things to do i'm a I'm a bit um, old school in the, that I like, you know, structure uh, in, in games and uh, as as much fun as as you can have, just blowing things up after time. You can I kind of feel like I want something. I want to feel like I'm making progress towards something. So, to, to some mm. extent, a lot of the videos that they've put out so far about it have been focused on the um, the sort of you know the the bombastic nature of the the. Uh, tasks that you can do in the game the the kind of things you can do that the the three-way uh, grapple hook tether uh, and all the kind of mayhem that that can that can lead to uh, they haven't talked much about story or, or or mission design or mission structure or anything like that so you know maybe i won't get kind of what i want from it but i will still be picking just it get the feeling that that just cause three might get lost within the uh the sheer amount of games that are being launched not only been launched this year but are being launched towards christmas and it 
to me, it, it looks like one of those games that may do better if it came out at a in a January or a run up to Easter, where it's where it's there's there's a greater focus Easter, on it, and it's, yeah, there's, when... there's not so much competition because I um, I can see that being a game that suddenly turns up in a um, in one of the black, you know, like they uh, they run up to Christmas sales at twenty five pounds instead of forty, really quite quickly. Um, like I say, I, I think that's the point where yeah. Mad Max is going to be a little bit cheaper, and I, I do fancy Mad Max, but yeah, I, I just I just wonder if it's the right time to be to be launching uh, Just Cause Three. Yeah, I'm kind of I, I would I would agree with that. I, I think the thing for me, I'm not interested in Just Cause Two uh, Three until after I've played Mad Max. Mad Max, in terms of the next Avalanche game, that's that's definitely going to be the one. But it feels like, as CJ just said, you know, it's releasing at a time where all the big games are coming out. You know, well, you know, there's a fair number of them in the, in this sort of three next few months, and they've already done this once before this year with Mad Max yeah. coming out on the same day as Metal Gear Solid Five. So it's just. It feels like whoever's making the decisions when to release the games, probably they, you know, I don't know. It's not, I don't, it, it, it's always a tricky thing, but you kind of feel that these games, and, um, with Mad Max as well, I feel it may have done better had it been released mm. at a quieter time. Whether, you know, I know it's not, it, it's not, it's easy to say this, and, and there's a lot of reasons as to why games have to be released at certain dates and stuff, but you kind of, it's a shame when a game, that looks fun and and could be a really enjoyable romp um, gets buried. I mean, shouldn't really complain because if it gets buried, it means it will be mm. cheaper for me as a consumer to buy in a relatively short space of time. But you kind of also feel, you know, that's all well and good on one level, but mm. on the other level, it means the studio isn't making enough money. So how long can they persist mm. in doing that sort of thing? So I don't know, I'm a bit, bit torn with it, but it's, you know... Like Brian said, a lot of the videos at the moment have kind of just focused on their additions to things like the grapple and, you know, the levels of how you can play around with the destruction stuff. So I don't know. That's not necessarily going to sell me at this point, but we'll see, you know. It's interesting that they they chose not to focus on multiplayer because I would have thought that that would be something Mm. that, you know, especially releasing at this this time of year or, you know, in December, that's the kind of thing that can can help matters can't it because you can you know yeah. if, if one or two people on your friends list is having a great time with something then other people want to kind of get in on it um, and enjoy it and we've seen i guess examples of of that sort of game or the, the way that sort of game could work on consoles with things like sunset overdrive which had a kind of huh. uh, a chaotic multiplayer component to it not that i've played much of it but it you can uh, you can see how they could kind of structure that for consoles similarly you could think of it as a kind of uh, you know burnout paradise type of uh thing for, for just cause you know where diff- you know players set or pick different tasks and everybody has to run across and do it and work together on particular missions and things like that and i thought that 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 would add something to it but they just seem to be going for leaderboards and challenges which i don't think is going to sway anybody really if, if you're yeah. looking for a kind of multiplayer cool to, experience to be able to form a squad with your mates as to whether you know that was just sort of yeah. another agent that was going in with you or there were three of you or whatever and 
those that that level of escalation that I meant that I mentioned earlier suddenly it can be like right we've got two attack choppers right I'm going over to this building over here I've got one of the choppers I'm taking down the other one and just having that kind of snappy back and forth between the two of you I think mm. would, would blow the game apart and give it sort of a, a little niche in the run up to Christmas when more family members will be coming over and uh, you've got more people potentially around the couch as well as uh, sort of being contacted elsewhere when people have got time off. So yeah, I agree. It seems a, a strange one not to to have that as a as a starting block really in the design. But we shall see. Mm. Let's hear a little bit from our community. We have some posts that were uh, sent to us over at canonrinse.com slash forum. We have topics we open usually the week or two before recording of an episode to uh, um, give you some chance to contribute to the conversation and have that read on the podcast so we like to get a diverse sampling of opinions and not just those of us who are on the panel you can also send your thoughts for games on our uh, on our schedule in the future to podcast at canonrinse.com if you are not a member of our forums now, the first post is a lengthy one but i think that there's some good stuff in here from alex 79 uk who says just Cause 2 is an absolute masterpiece of a game. Forgetting the balls-out insanity of the story missions, which I'll barely talk about, it is hands down the greatest sandbox ever created. I was a fan of the original, but number two improved upon it in pretty much every way imaginable. The sheer scope of fun to be had was almost endless. I've been playing it on and off for about five years, and I finished the story mode at least four years ago. The story was a superfluous tale of one-man war against corruption and greed. I liked the way you played with factions and ultimately chose one to aid you in your final push to the end. And that last mission, where you found yourself quite literally riding rockets in an effort to disarm them before they reached their destination, well, like I said, balls out insanity. But the real draw of Just Cause 2 was never the story. It was the huge open space to play in and do exactly what you want. I spent hours and hours just flying from one tiny desert village to the next, blowing them to smithereens, driving right up to the snow-capped mountains and liberating military air bases, grapple shooting my way across the massive world, taking a flight over to the spooky lost-inspired island and exploring the jungles, almost endless fun. And it looked so damn gorgeous. It looked, and it still looks, like one of the prettiest games of the last generation. I love flying over those islands and enjoying the variety of locations. The jungle, the mountains, the desert, the cities, the docks, the army bases. It felt like a real world. Of course it had its negatives. The story was pointless and the driving was just plain dreadful. But if you spent much time driving in Just Cause 2, you're doing it wrong. The grapple parachute is one of gaming's greatest inventions, fun to use and almost always quicker and more efficient than driving. The game has enjoyed something of a second lease on life in my house too. My son absolutely loves it. We're careful about what he does. He doesn't go around shooting people, playing missions. We just fly, drive, and sail around the world. We spend hours challenging each other to find a plane, take off at one airport, fly under a bridge, and land at another. We take a motorbike to the top of the highest mountain, spawn a monster truck, and put the pedal to the metal and crash our way down all the way to the bottom. He gets so much enjoyment out of just playing around in the world, it seems a shame to not let him. You might argue it's a violent game. I disagree. It's the A-Team. It's a cartoon. 
and I credit him with enough intelligence to know that it's not okay to steal a helicopter and to try to fly it upside down through a bridge in real life. We love it. What a fantastic post. And that's, 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 it's really beautiful, the, the, the story with his, uh, with his little one. I, I kind of want to play that game without the guns now. <laughs> <laughs> it is part of the fun of Just Cause 2 that he highlights here is that yeah, the story mode is kind of rubbish, but you are building your own stories as you play it. And there's something magical about, I don't even know how they do it, what kind of seed they put into this game. But every single time you play it, you come away with an amazing story to tell. This is a narrative mm. construction machine. And it's so fun to play it with somebody else and to just challenge them to do something or, uh, you know, just whatever catches your eye and just have a ball just doing the most insane things you could possibly do. It did It did put me in mind of a memory that, that I haven't, uh, haven't mentioned on the, on the show where you get sort of an armored car. And then you'll just think it's impossible to drive this down a mountain. And it's essentially like, <laughs> like taking an old Tonka truck or a Fisher Price truck and just throwing <laughs> it down a hill because that's what it feels like. And it's st- it mostly stays intact. And that's that level of, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and like the forward momentum is fantastic. There is one mission where you, uh, you're playing as, you have to hijack a limousine with some famous political member in the backseat or something. And, and pilot it to a base and there's a, you know, military chasing you the entire time. So you want to do it quickly. And there's a point where you have to wind down this, this long winding road, this out that, you know, you're at the top of the hill and you're going right towards the bottom and it, it winds like a, like Lombard mm-hmm. street or something. And it's just such an inefficient route and you got people behind you and you're always tempted to just like, I'm just going to bail straight down the the center of this. And Every single time that I do that, I get wedged in between a rock and a tree or something and have to restart the mission. But it's just such a, oh, I put myself in this situation. I, I have only myself to blame, but it's, uh, it's genuinely funny every time it happens, too. Uh, moving on to our second piece of correspondence. This is coming from Deacon05OC from the forum as well, who says, I think this is the one open world sandbox game where I totally did not care about the story or actually completing it. I just love blowing stuff up. I basically made up my own story as I went around the world. This is one that did it right. All right, thank you for those. We also have some three-word reviews uh, that we got sent to our Twitter, at Rinse. We usually ask for these the day of recording, or maybe the day before. But uh, keep your eye on our Twitter, at Rinse, and you can contribute your own three-word reviews. First one comes from Alex79UK, who we heard from already, who says, Ultimate Sandbox Mayhem. And the next one, uh, Nick Turner 13, incredibly good fun. Count Stex says, Sandbox of Chaos. Angry Kurt says, fun but repetitive, which I think pretty much sums up my my entire experience with the game, so I don't need to do my summary next. (laughs) Thanks, Angry Kurt. Uh, My buddy in real life, Neil Piper, says, glorious grappling gameplay. Nice alliteration there. Jakob G, 42. Ah, let's fingers crossed that that's right. <laughs> so, Jakob G42, what explodes next? Excellent. And that is the, uh, the eternal question with this game. There is always something to explode in a very satisfying way. Hmm. I suppose all that's left right now is for us to give our own personal summaries on the game. Uh, Brian, you made uh, you made comment to your <laughs> yeah. your uh, your summary not extending much beyond that one three word review. But if you wanted to <laughs> give us a few more words, then we'll be happy to hear it. 
Yeah, I, I will. I will do. I mean, it, it. I mean, he has pretty much encapsulated it there for me. Fun but repetitive. Actually, I think it was about a year ago. I wrote something for the website where I kind of compared uh, playing Just Cause Two to going on summer holiday, like an adventure holiday, um, because the way I played the game, it was pretty much over a few weeks each summer, spread out over over three years. And I think there is. I think there's something to be said for that analogy. I mean, it is it's a it's a fun game. You get to do crazy things. You get to see some stunning sights. And the game, I mean, the game is beautiful. It was it was said earlier, but it, it still looks great now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going grabbing a helicopter or, or a plane and flying to the top of the skybox and leaping out and falling all the way down. I don't think it ever gets old. Uh, but I, you know, it doesn't get old in bite-sized chunks. You know, you can you can do that for a little bit, but then you want to do something else. And I don't think the game, I mean, the game provides variety in terms of things you can do, but it's kind of up to you as a player to be creative and to set yourself little challenges or targets for things to do. And I personally, I'm not very good at that. So that's kind of a fault of me rather than the game. But, you know, I can play the game for a few hours at a time and then, you know, I put it down and, won't come back to it for a long time so that it's that sort it's that sort of game for me but it's a game that i mean i just it's what interactive entertainment is there for really it's there to create these places that you can kind of explore and go crazy in and do fun things things that you would never do in real life so i'm i'm there i will be signed up for just cause three i don't know if i'll get it on day one uh but i will i will be picking it up at some point um and you know i think that's a credit to the the series that's come before you know these are these are games that are just enjoyable to lose yourself in whether it's for you know 10 hours or 40 hours or you know 400 hours so yeah do, do whether you should go out and get just cause 2 now you know a few weeks away from just cause 3 i don't know uh, you might want to see the reviews of just cause 3 first and decide to to get the kind of next gen version but you know worst comes to worst and the reviews are terrible for number 3 then just Cause 2 is a safe bet for a, for a few years worth of fun. Excellent. Thank you. How about you, Jay? I spent 85 hours playing it and I don't regret a single one of them. Dusting it off over the last couple of weeks, I've realized that, you know, I've still got 24% of the island to unlock. So I'm still, I because I had to reinstall it and stuff, I've, I, I'm going to leave it sitting there for a bit and see if I can um, persevere to get the 100%. I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, I don't know if I could genuinely say I'd recommend people pick it up at this point, given that we're now another generation, you know, we're pretty much sort of embedded into the next gen. And obviously with three coming out, it remains to be seen, I think. But that said, you know, I mean, if if you if you're as you said right early on in the podcast, you know, you can pick this up for as little as a couple of dollars or, you know, a couple of quid on, on steam at times. And, and it, it, it's one of those that, um, it'd be hard not to say that it's worth that. It, well, it is worth that kind of cash. I mean, you know, there aren't many games that you could argue wouldn't be worth two quid, you know, it's just, or a five or even, or whatever, but it's, um, I had a lot of fun and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I still, to the, you know, as I said earlier, the, the game is still a bit of a technical marvel. You know, um, as Alex was saying in his, his, his response, you know, the world, 
And as I said myself, you know, there's so much detail in the world, but even, and I th- the, the point that came to me was underwater was the bit that really stood out to me because you, you go underwater and there's fish mm-hmm. swimming about, you, you little, you know, there's coral, there's all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even games, even recent games have not endeavoured to put that amount of detail into their open worlds. You know, it's not perfect. It's not, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's got its flaws, but there's so much fun to be had in, in mucking around with their games. It's, it's definitely put Avalanche on my radar as a studio. Um, you know, so much so that I sort of, I've been, you know, as I said, been watching a lot of um, Mad Max being played and, and are really into that particular game. So who knows? You know, I'll probably get around to playing Just Cause 3 at some point. All right. Uh, for myself, I I love Just Cause 2 almost more than anything. It has that kind of same space in my heart that the Earth Defense Force games hold, except this one is exceptionally well polished. Um, it is wacky fun every single time that I play it. And um, whether I'm booting it up for just a quick little jaunt on the PC or whether I'm, you know, have friends over and we're or just having a laugh on the xbox 360 version every single time i play it as i said before i walk away with amazing stories to tell and you know like my my favorite experience with it is uh sitting there with my friends seeing if we can uh stand at the end of the runway in the the big international airport there and as the passenger planes are taking off over us, tying them to the to to a tower, and just watching them slowly arc and crash into the ocean, and that kind of thing is so much fun. And the fact that it all feels so procedural, and it all feels like the world is genuinely reacting. It wasn't like the developers programmed all of these jokes into it. They just program such a robust framework that all of these amazing things can happen and do happen. And it's almost like you can't avoid amazing things happening every single time you play it. And so for that reason, like I do recommend people pick up Just Cause 2, even now, uh, even with Just Cause 3 on the radar, because, you know, it's um, it, it loads cheaper if you get into the Steam sale for one. That makes a big difference. But also, you know, it's it still holds up. Uh, there's very little lacking from the game that I could really see being improved upon in a sequel. I mean, we'll see once that one comes out, but it's, um, you know, just fun for a, for a laugh. And ultimately, if that's what you're looking for, it's just about the best in class at what it does. And, you know, that level of, of walking away and immediately having to pick up your phone and call your friends and say, you won't believe what just happened. That's special. And I don't get that a lot with games, but when I do, I know that they're doing something right. So yeah, that is a hearty recommendation for just cause two. And let's uh, end this off with CJ. Just cause two was the, the first sandbox game to, to really draw me in. Uh, I had a world of fun, essentially flinging myself around an open world bionic commando uh, I'm making stuff go boom. Uh, the story's utter guff. The in-game music's terrible, but I made my own merriment going wherever I wanted to, listening to whatever I wanted to, and that became wonderfully joyous and compulsive. A, a, a great game to relax into and just lose myself, just spend time there. Um, I still think that there's a, a fine line that the game could have gone towards with regards to... Uh, 
tone and story. Um, we we touched upon whether more of a a, a a grindhouse feel would have been nice, and uh, I do think that, that good comedy and engaging game gameplay can be done. Uh, I'll hold the the wonderfully um, and and hugely underrated Lego City Undercover up as my favourite example of that. Um, but you know, it's it's easy to nitpick and and uh, about the the harshest stuff, but all of my memories with Just Cause 2 are good ones. It, it took me back to the, the same sort of uh, drive and wonderment that, that had me putting 10 pences into uh, arcade machines in Skegness in the summer as a kid and what drew me to gaming in the in the first place. So uh, yeah, belting game, especially given the prices that it's, that it's available at now, nobody should turn that off. Nobody. Excellent stuff. That just leaves me, Ryan Heyman, to thank Jay, Brian, and CJ for joining us today. CJ, do you want to, I mean, you're practically a regular here these days, but just in case this might be somebody's first uh, listening to the uh, podcast, would you like to tell them where they can find you? Yeah, and um, the best way to uh, to find me is Coffee Jesus, at Coffee Jesus on Twitter. That's uh, the Jesus has a Z in it. Um, we do uh, a few different podcast that you can get on twitter at twin humanities and if you click the link there that will take you to twin humanities podcast which does uh, which is the souls games uh we do oh the humanity where we talk about uh, uh life and video games movies and uh coffee and anything that might boing to mind and we also do uh twin destiny as well where we talk about bungees shoot the man's shooter and thank you very much for having me on again oh thank you for coming on all right, next time we will be wrapping up volume four at his issue 200. We're going to be going slappers only in our 200th issue for GoldenEye 007. See you next time. Uh-huh.